Hey friends, welcome back to the catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. Today, as we continue our series on the mission of God, we're talking about loving the city. In Jeremiah 29, God speaks to a very discouraged group of Israelites who were forced to move to a city that they didn't want to be in. And he gave them some words they didn't really want to hear. Love your city. Work for its welfare. And invest yourself where God has placed you, because in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This passage helps us understand part of what God's mission is for us today and how we can be involved in making a difference in our world. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on Love the City. Our scripture passage for today comes from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you <clears throat> into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This passage comes at a key moment in the life of Israel that we call the exile. It was one of the worst moments in Jewish history. In 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army had come in and completely destroyed their nation, their temple, and their whole way of life. The Israelites were carried off as exiles to live in a foreign country. Their culture had collapsed. They were defeated, depressed, and in despair. They didn't know how they could go on. They were devastated. 
they had been unable to defend their country from outside forces, and life as they had known it was over. That resulted in a crisis of faith. They were probably asking, where was God? Why did God let this happen to us? Doesn't God love us anymore? From their point of view, life could not get any worse. The people were crushed and broken, and they felt hopeless. They were overwhelmed with worry and anxiety. Their world had changed, and they didn't know how to adapt. So God sent the prophet Jeremiah to them to speak these words of encouragement, which are all about getting back on track with the mission of God. And in this passage, he says four things. Love the city, adapt to the present, seek God, and dream of the future. I believe these are the same things God is saying to us today. Love the city, adapt to the present, seek God, and dream of the future. First of all, he tells them to love the city. Jeremiah 29, 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Why does Jeremiah say this? He says it because this is not what the people wanted to do. They didn't want to love the city of Babylon. They'd been forced to move there against their will. They didn't want to be there. They wanted to be back in Jerusalem. That was the city they loved. Babylon was different. The people were different. The foods were different. The smells were different. The music was different. The religion was different. The government was different. It was a big change that had been forced on them. They did not want to love the city. But God tells them through Jeremiah, that's exactly what I want you to do. Why? Because in its welfare, you will find your welfare. If you work for the good of the city where you live, you will end up benefiting yourself. Because as the city gets better, things get better for you. He tells them to pray to the Lord on behalf of the city because it's really hard to be angry at people you are praying for. It's hard to hate people you are praying for. When we pray for other people, prayer changes us. It changes our attitudes towards them. And if we're going to participate in the mission of God in our city, we are not going to be effective if we don't love our city and if we are not praying for it and the people in it. Tim Keller talks about how you can find five different kinds of people in the city. Cities have commuters, survivors, tourists, natives, and lovers. Commuters are people who just drive into the city for work and use its benefits, but aren't really committed to its flourishing. Survivors are people who are struggling just to get through the day. 
Tourists are people who enjoy the hot spots of the city and the famous landmarks, but they don't really invest themselves in the future of the city. Natives are people who have lived here most of their lives, but sometimes their familiarity with the city blinds them to its potential and its need for change. So he says what we really need are lovers of the city, people who care deeply about the city, who are committed to its health and vitality, and who are willing to join where God is already at work in our city. In his book, Center Church, Keller says that we must both appreciate and adapt to the city, but also challenge and confront the city. People won't listen to us if they sense we don't love them. But if we don't confront injustice and challenge the wrongs of our city, they will see us as unsubstantial without having anything of gravity to offer. So we need to walk around our city, talk to people, ask questions, listen, and understand the city where God has placed us. How is God calling us here at Hollywood Press to love the city of Hollywood, the city of LA, and this SoCal region? Jeremiah 29 calls us to love the city. Secondly, this passage tells us to adapt to the present. In verses 5 and 6, it says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. The increase in number there do not decrease. Again, God had to say this because this is not what the people wanted to do. If you're building houses and settling down and planting gardens and getting married and having kids, that means you're getting on with your life. And the Israelites didn't want to get on with their lives. They were still grieving the loss of the city of Jerusalem, their temple, and the way their lives used to be. They were stuck in the past. They spent more time looking in the rearview mirror than looking through the windshield. They wanted to go back to the good old days, but God was telling them they weren't going back to the good old days. Those days are not coming back. Sometimes we get nostalgic about the past, and we wonder why our churches can't be the way they used to be. We wonder why it's so much harder to be in ministry today than it seemed to be 50 years ago when many churches in the West were booming. There's lots of reasons for that that we could talk about, but we need to understand the past is not coming back. Now, we always want to build on our past. We want to learn from the past. We want to carry the best of the past forward with us into the future. But we don't want to be confined to the past. <coughs> we don't want to be stuck in the past. 
We don't want to be so focused on the past that we can't see the great opportunities God has put in front of us today. Jeremiah was telling the Israelites that they needed to adapt to the present and move forward with their lives. When I was growing up, Kodak was one of the biggest, most successful companies, but they couldn't adapt to the changing culture. They didn't get on board with digital cameras and they ended up declaring bankruptcy in 2012. When my kids were little, Blockbuster was one of the biggest, most successful companies, but they couldn't adapt to the changing culture. They filed for bankruptcy in 2010, got bought out by the Dish Network, and closed their last stores in 2014. We have churches today that are closing their doors because they don't know how to adapt to the changing culture around us. We know that God never changes. Hebrews 13a tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know the gospel message never changes. But the way we minister and the way we communicate this message has to change so that it makes sense to the people we're talking to. Our challenge in the church is always how to communicate the unchanging gospel to a constantly changing world. In Todd Bolsinger's book, Canoeing the Mountains, he compares our journey as a church through our changing world to the journey of Lewis and Clark, who set out from St. Louis to find a water passage to the Pacific Ocean. They mistakenly thought there was a river that would take them the whole way. They didn't realize their maps were wrong. They didn't realize that the rivers ended at the Rocky Mountains and that they would have to learn how to canoe over the mountains if they wanted to get to the Pacific Ocean. He said, our world has changed so much that we are now off the map. We were not trained for the world we live in today. We were trained for the world that used to exist. But now the world has changed and we have to learn how to adapt so that we can be faithful and fruitful to the mission of God in our time. In Jeremiah 29, the Israelites were off the map. Their world had changed dramatically and they didn't know how to move forward. We need to adapt to the present. And if we focus on things like building houses, planting gardens, getting married, and having children, eventually we will learn how to adapt. We will begin to sense where God is already at work and how we can join in his life-changing mission in the present. How is God calling us today to adapt to the present? Thirdly, this passage tells us to seek God. Verses 12 to 14 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God wants our lives to be oriented around him. Before we go after anything else in life, God wants us to go after him. Nothing affects every single area of our lives as much as our relationship with God. Your spiritual health affects your physical health, your mental health, and your social and relational health. Sometimes we wonder if we should keep praying because we don't always see the answers we want. Sometimes we wonder if we should keep praying because we don't know if God is listening or if God is hearing what we're saying. So God is reminding the people here, if you call on me and pray to me, I will listen to you. So the question for us is, are you seeking God? Have you become a Christian yet? You may be here right now wondering if God really exists or not. You may be wondering if you should believe in Jesus, if you should start following a man you've never seen with your own eyes and start living your life according to his teachings when you're still trying to decide if they are true. If that's you, please think about it and consider following him in your life. And then fourthly and finally, Jeremiah 29 tells us to dream of the future. Verse 11 may be one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that? Those words are as true for us today as they were for the Israelites over 2,600 years ago. And even though those words were not originally spoken to us, they are still spoken for us. Today, we see these words framed and hanging on people's walls in their homes because they're so powerful. But what some people don't realize is that God spoke those words to people who were profoundly discouraged. We have people today who feel like our nation is falling apart. But when God spoke these words, the nation of Israel had literally fallen apart. People were in despair. The whole nation was in a depression. And nobody knew how to get out of it. They didn't know how to change and adapt and move forward into a new reality. They needed hope. And that's the message some of us need today. We need hope for our present and hope for our future. And God is still telling us that hope is our reality. Even if you can't see it, even if you don't understand it, God is at work in your life. God is at work in this church. And God is at work in our world. There are always reasons for hope. God has plans for a hope and a future for this church. Every church in America is facing challenges today. 
Every church in the world is facing challenges today. We're up against some strong headwinds in our culture. But I believe we have a great future ahead of us. God is here at work, and he's continuing to call us to be a part of his life-changing, city-changing, world-changing mission. God wants us to dream about the future. There's a lot of work to be done, and there's a lot we can do. I believe if we work together, pray together, discern together, and experiment together, we will discover the great new future God has in store for us. So as we continue to move forward into the exciting mission of God, Jeremiah 29 is a passage that speaks to us, leads us, and guides us. It's a passage that encourages us to love our city, adapt to the present, seek God, and dream about the future. God bless. Stay safe. See you next time.